0: Section 10 of Monsieur le Coq part 1 This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org Monsieur le Coq by Emile Gaborio part 1 section 10 all the officials assembled at the Poivriere knew at least by sight the magistrate who now made his appearance, and Gevrol, an old habitue of the Palais de Justice, mechanically murmured his name, Monsieur Maurice Descoval. He was the son of that famous Baron Descoval, who, in 1815, sealed his devotion to the Empire with his blood, and upon whom Napoleon, in the memorial of St Helena, pronounced this magnificent eulogium men as honest as he may i believe exist but more honest no it is not possible having entered upon his duties as magistrate early in life and being endowed with remarkable talents it was at first supposed that the younger Descovelle would rise to the most exalted rank in his profession But he had disappointed all such prognostications by resolutely refusing the more elevated positions that were offered to him, in order to retain his modest but useful functions in the public prosecutor's offices at Paris. To explain his repeated refusals, he said that life in the capital had more charms for him than the most enviable advancement in provincial centres— But it was hard to understand this declaration, for, in spite of his brilliant connections and large fortune, he had, ever since the death of his eldest brother, led a most retired life, his existence merely being revealed by his untiring labours, and the good he did to those around him. He was now about forty-two years of age, but appeared much younger, although a few furrows already crossed his brow. One would have admired his face had it not been for the puzzling immobility that marred its beauty, the sarcastic curl of his thin lips and the gloomy expression of his pale blue eyes. To say that he was cold and grave did not express the truth. It was saying too little. He was gravity and coldness personified, with a shade of hauteur added." impressed by the horror of the scene the instant he placed his foot upon the threshold m d'Escorval acknowledged the presence of the physicians and the commissary by a slight nod of the head the others in the room had no existence so far as he was concerned at once his faculties went to work he studied the ground and carefully noted all the surroundings with the attentive sagacity of a magistrate who realises the immense weight of even the slightest detail, and who fully appreciates the eloquence of circumstantial evidence. "'This is a serious affair,' he said gravely. "'Very serious.' The commissary's only response was to lift his eyes to heaven, a gesture that plainly implied, "'I quite agree with you.' The fact is that for the past two hours the worthy commissary's responsibility had weighed heavily upon him, and he secretly blessed the investigating magistrate for relieving him of it. "'The public prosecutor was unable to accompany me,' resumed M. Descoval. "'He has not the gift of omnipresence, and I doubt if it will be possible for him to join me here. Let us therefore begin operations at once.' the curiosity of those present had become intense, and the commissary only expressed the general feeling, when he said, "'You have undoubtedly questioned the murderer, sir, and have learnt—' "'I have learnt nothing,' interrupted Monsieur d'Escouval, apparently much astonished at the interruption. He took a chair and sat himself down, and while his clerk was busy in authenticating the commissary's procès-verbal, he began to read the report prepared by Lecoq. Pale? agitated and nervous, the young police agent tried to read upon the magistrate's impassive face the impression produced by the document. His future depended upon the magistrate's approval or disapproval, and it was not with a fuddled mind like that of Father Absinthe that he had now to deal but with a superior intelligence. If I could only plead my own cause, he thought, what are cold-written phrases in comparison with spoken living words, palpitating with emotion, and imbued with the convictions of the speaker? However, he was soon reassured. The magistrate's face retained its immobility, but again and again did M. d'Escorval nod his head, in token of approval, and occasionally some point more ingenious than the others, extorted from his lips the exclamations, Not bad! Very good! When he had finished the perusal, he turned to the commissary and remarked, all this is very unlike your report of this morning which represented the affair as a low broil between a party of miserable vagabonds the observation was only too just and fair and the commissary deeply regretted that he had trusted to gevrol's representations and remained in bed this morning he responded evasively i only gave you my first impressions these have been modified by subsequent researches so that oh interrupted the magistrate i did not intend to reproach you on the contrary, I must congratulate you. One could not have done better, nor acted more promptly. The investigation that has been carried out shows great penetration in research, and the results are given with unusual clearness and wonderful precision. Lecoq's head whirled. The commissary hesitated for an instant. At first he was sorely tempted to confiscate this praise to his own profit. If he drove away the unworthy thought, it was because he was an honest man, and more than that, because he was not displeased to have the opportunity to do Gervral a bad turn, and punish him for his presumptuous folly. I must confess, he said with some embarrassment, that the merit of this investigation does not belong to me. To whom, then, shall I attribute it? To the Inspector? Mr. Escoval, not without surprise, for having occasionally employed Gavrol, he did not expect from him such ingenuity and sagacity as was displayed in this report. Is it you, then, who have conducted this investigation so ably? "'Upon my word, no,' responded Inspector Givrol. "'I myself am not so clever as all that. I content myself with telling what I actually discover, and I only give proofs when I have them in hand.' may i be hung if the grounds of this report have any existence save in the brains of the man who imagined them perhaps the inspector really believed what he said being one of those persons who are blinded by vanity to such a degree that with the most convincing evidence before their eyes they obstinately deny it and yet insisted the magistrate These women whose footprints have been detected must have existed. The accomplice who left the flakes of wool adhering to the plank is a real being. This earring is a positive, palpable proof. Kevrol had hard work to refrain from shrugging his shoulders. All this can be satisfactorily explained, he said, without a search of twelve or fourteen hours. That the murderer had an accomplice is possible. The presence of the women is very natural. Wherever there are male thieves you will find female thieves as well. As for the diamond, what does that prove? That the scoundrels had just met with a stroke of good luck, that they had come here to divide their booty, and that the quarrel arose from the division. This was an explanation, and such a plausible one, that Monsieur Descoval was silent, reflecting before he announced his decision. Decidedly, he declared at last, decidedly I adopt the hypothesis set forth in the report. Who prepared it? Gavrol's face turned red with anger. "'One of my men,' he replied, "'a clever, adroit fellow, Monsieur Lecoq. "'Come forward, Lecoq, that the magistrate may see you.' The young man advanced, his lips tightly compressed, so as to conceal a smile of satisfaction which almost betrayed itself. "Uh, my, "'My report, sir, is only a summary,' he began, "'but I have certain ideas.' which you will acquaint me with when I ask for them, interrupted the magistrate. And oblivious of Lecoq's chagrin, he drew from his clerk's portfolio two forms, which he filled up and handed to Gavral, saying, Here are two orders. Take them to the station, where the murderer and the landlady of this cabin are confined, and have them conducted to the prefecture, where they will be privately examined. Having given these directions, M. d'Escorval was turning towards the physicians when Lecoq, At the risk of a second, rebuff, interposed, "'May I venture, sir, to beg of you to confide this message to me?' he asked of the investigating magistrate. "'Impossible. I may have need of you here.' "'I I desired, sir, to collect certain evidence, and an opportunity to do so may not present itself again.' The magistrate perhaps fathomed the young man's motive. "'Then—' Let it be so, he replied, but after your task is completed, you must wait for me at the prefecture, where I shall proceed as soon as I have finished here. You may go. Lecoq did not wait for the order to be repeated. He snatched up the papers, and hastened away. He literally flew over the ground, and, strange to say, he no longer experienced any fatigue from the labours of the preceding night. Never had he felt so strong and alert, either in body or mind. He was very hopeful of success— He had every confidence in himself, and his happiness would indeed have been complete if he had had another judge to deal with. But Monsieur d'Escoval overawed him to such a degree that he became almost paralysed in his presence, with what a disdainful glance the magistrate had surveyed him, with what an imperious tone he had imposed silence upon him, and that, too, when he had found his work deserving of commendation. "'Still, never mind!' the young detective mentally exclaimed. No one ever tastes perfect happiness here below. And, concentrating all his thoughts on the task before him, he hurried on his way. End of section 10